Welcome to episode 32 Phillies Focus Pod. For the second consecutive year, the Phillies manhandle the Braves in the NLDS. Now they're moving on to the NLCS to face the Arizona Diamondbacks. So without any further ado, let's get this show started. Everyone was asked their favorite superheroes. You said Scooby-Doo. I, I didn't realize Scooby-Doo was a superhero. Can you kind of explain his superhero lore? I mean, well, first off, he's a dog, right? And he can talk. Fair enough. Okay. Answered right back. Castellanos deep in the left field. It is a fair ball home run. Castellanos high fly ball way back. Two balls, two strikes. Kimbrell ready. The pitch. Swung on, hit in the air. Left center field. Long run into the gap. Rojas is calling. He will reach out. Makes the catch up against the wall. And Johan Rojas has made his mark in this series. Never a doubt. How sweet it is to take down the Braves yet again in more than convincing fashion, convincing convincing fashion doesn't even begin to do justice just how how badly the the uh, the Phillies beat up on the Braves for the second consecutive year. Um, just some notes and stats I had to take inventory to really just quantify how badly the uh, the Phillies manhandled the Braves. Um, First, firstly, the Braves are the first team in Major League history to win 100-plus games in consecutive years, only to lose to the same team in back-to-back seasons in the playoffs. That would be our Philadelphia Phillies. Um, some stats, head-to-head matchups in combined last year, 2022, this year, 23. The Phillies outscored the Braves 44-21, to just about doubled up the Brave, or more than doubled up the Braves. Um, they doubled up the home runs back-to-back years, um, 16-8 to in total. Starting pitching ERA for the Phillies was 2.31. The Braves more than doubled that up at 6.82 the last two seasons. And here is uh, just a really incredible stat. The Phillies... Um, led in innings 49-2 to, to just 6 to the Braves. The Braves in the last two NLDSs against the Phillies only led for 6 innings. It's absolutely incredible. Just pure dominance um, in these playoff series. Like, what, just 6 games? Um, or, I'm sorry, yeah. Uh, something like that. Yeah, I forget what I was saying. But anyway... Yeah, just absolutely incredible. The Braves over the last two regular seasons are 86 games over 500. The last two regular seasons, 86 games over 500. Yet they are just two and six in the playoffs against the Phillies. That's what I was trying to say. Eight games in just eight games, all those stats occurred. So Braves went two and six in the playoffs the last two years. Um, 
they they honestly needed a, a baseball miracle, multiple of them in game two, just to come out with the one victory they had this year. And honestly, as heartbreaking as it was, it uh it almost made it all the sweeter just to get the two games back in Citizens Bank Park, where um four and oh the last two uh division series against the Braves at Citizens Bank Park. So yeah, losing that game two in the fashion that they did just made it all the sweeter to get that uh, another win versus Strider, who dropped to zero and three career playoffs against the Phillies. As we all know, he's eight and zero in the regular season and eight starts against them. Um, so the uh, the script totally flips upside down uh, for these two teams in the playoffs. Um, the Braves batted just one eighty six this series, one eighty six against the Phillies. For a uh, 519 OPS. Um, that 519 team OPS against the Phillies this year is actually better than presumptive MVP Ronald Acuna's OPS this se- or this uh, playoff series 508. Um, the Braves had just four extra base hits in these four games after setting the MLB record. Uh, First team ever to slug over 500 over the duration of a series. Just had four extra base hits, three home runs, the Darno home run um, against Wheeler, the Riley home run against Hoffman, which was, those are like uh, arguably the only two bad pitches um, the Phillies pitchers threw in game two, let alone the whole series, really. And, um, And they got beat on them. Um, and they weren't even really bad pitches. They just, uh, maybe the Wheeler hung one. I wouldn't say the Hoffman one to Riley in game two was, was a terrible pitch. He was just able to overpower it. Riley was really the only brave, um, that really showed up in this series. Uh, Albies had a decent batting average, but no extra base hits. Um, they had one double. The Braves had one double. Uh, this whole series, the Phillies had five. Um, they did. Uh, they had just two stolen bases. So Ronald Acuna had uh, t- both of them. So at least he did that. You know, hats off to Acuna for getting two stolen bases. I guess in this series. Uh, speaking of Acuna, I mentioned he had the five oh eight OPS. Just batted one forty three in this series. Um, I'm gonna have to go back and look at what he did last year. I don't think it was much better, if at all, better. Uh, this year than last year, but batted 143. Uh, absolutely incredible. Matt Olson, major league leader in home runs this year, had zero extra base hits. And Michael Harris, the young center fielder, reigning uh, NL Rookie of the Year, went 0 for 13 against the Phillies this series. So the um, as great as the Phillies' offense was at parts of this series, their pitching uh, was just absolutely incredible, just manhandled them. Um, the, uh, the Phillies for the playoffs so far, their starters ERA is 1.57. It's just, yeah, uh, Thompson always says, and, uh, this team really believes they're constructed for the playoffs. This team is put together for the playoffs. And when it comes, um, just things start to fire on all, on all cylinders at that point. Um, you know, there's so much crying from the Atlanta fan base from uh, so many baseball fans with the, the Orioles going down, the 
Dodgers going down, obviously the Braves, the Rays losing in the first round about this format and the days off um, playing such a role in uh, in these te- great regular season teams that ultimately uh, fell in the regular seat or in the in this postseason. Um, but you really got to look at roster construction and how is your team built. The, the Braves bullpen wasn't... Um, very bad in the series at all that was probably one of their best parts but with that being said uh they don't have a very good bullpen this team was built um offensively this season to out slug people to out home run people in which it did obviously in historic fashion tying the all-time home run record at 307 home runs this year when you get to the playoffs things are different um teams are utilizing their their pitchers, pitchers differently, their their bullpen differently, and they're just letting loose on their velocity. The the Braves' offensive kryptonite, if you will, was facing pitches above um, 96 miles per hour, in which the Phillies ended up uh, 25% of the pitches that the Braves faced against the Phillies were over 96 or, 96 or above. Um, so teams aren't really go- going to pitch that way in the regular season um the way that the Phillies did this this playoff series so excuse all the excuses aside the Phillies are just built for the playoffs as Thompson likes to say so starters so far this playoffs 1.57 ERA the relievers are even better 1.45 ERA for the playoffs both of those are leading the all teams in the playoffs so far uh this postseason um Phillies against the Braves. They batted 275, so really good batting average. Uh, I think they ended up with 33 hits in the uh, the four games. Um, at a 9-3-7 team OPS, 11 home runs. They out-homered the Braves by eight this year. Um, and they had just five last NLDS against them. They were actually out-homered by the Braves last year, 7-5. to Um I'm sorry, not seven to five. Uh, I guess they tied five 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 last year because it was sixteen to eight both combined. But yeah, eleven home runs for the Phillies against the Braves. Sixteen extra base hits, um, four times the amount that the Braves were able to muster uh, against the Phillies. And and just circling back to the Braves' two stolen bases, do you really think that? Um, all of the five days off that the Braves had uh, to prepare for the Phillies. Does that really correlate to, you know, only getting two stolen bases in four games? Um, you know, there's a, there was a lack of urgency, a lack of, um, you know, Brian Snicker did, did not manage a good, uh, a good NLDS whatsoever. I mean, I think I mentioned on the last pod that he, he changed the lineup, the, the Braves lineup for almost the duration of the entire season. He, uh, he really tinkered with it for game one. You could show, showed some, uh, some concern, I guess, about going against these, this Phillies team. And, um, so that was really a head scratching move. Why would you change a lineup that just had the best offensive season in the history of the game? Um, but yeah, like I said, just a lack of uh, lack of mental toughness on the Brave side. All they're complaining about the reporter leaking um, the Arcia comment about Bryce Harper, uh, which has been unanimously not supported by uh, 
baseball writers and journalists and um, just about everyone saying that it was not uh, an unwritten rule that was broken or a poor taste for the reporter to break that. Um, so I could just go all on and on and on about the Braves' excuses, but the reality is is that the Phillies uh, just outmanaged them, outpitched them, outhit them, outran them, and every facet of the game the Phillies just dominated in. Um, so seven t- or sixteen extra base hits, seven stolen bases for the Phillies this series. They had uh, they came out really strong in Game One, running against uh, Strider, putting the pressure on. How about Nick Castellanos? Um, we just can't say enough about the resurgence throughout the duration of this season compared to last season. He had zero home runs in the postseason last year. Did not hit well at all was um, ironically known way more for his defense in the run last year, all those sliding catches he had. But first player in Major League history to hit multiple home runs in back-to-back games. Um, And not to mention his first home run in each game was uh, extremely needed. It was coming off the Braves taking... um, what ended up being very short-lived uh, leads, one and nothing in both games. The momentum was kind of uh, shifting in the Braves' favor, and then Castellanos comes out uh, in both games and instantly ties it in the next inning. Um, in game three, he tied it first at bat after being down one nothing with a crushed a bomb to left field. And then game four, um, even more so when the Phillies went down one nothing. Schreider was pitching well. His fastball, even Schwarber said after the game, his fastball had uh, more movement and was uh, even um, harder to see coming to the plate than he was in game one, which he pitched really well. Real Muto followed up the uh, let off the next inning after they went down one nothings, uh, whipped on three straight pitches, and the third pitch was literally at his eyes. Like, um, So it... After that at-bat, things were getting a little uncomfortable about wondering if the Phillies were going to start to uh, to try to push things, try to reach for things. But Cassianos followed up that Real Muto strikeout with the first home run of the game, just a bomb to left field to uh, shift things back to square one at one-to-one and got the momentum back in the Phillies' favor in which they didn't really look back after that for the most part. Um he, uh, this is per Matt Gelb of The Athletic, he is the first Philly since uh, the ball started being tracked in 2008 to hit a home run on a pitch 100 plus miles per hour. Um, and he did surmise that given the uptick in velocity in the game um, since then, that, that that is probably the first Phillies home run ever. 100 miles an hour plus. That's only the third postseason home run in Major League history that was hit on a uh, a 100-mile-an-hour pitch. Um, so just absolutely incredible. Even Schreider said after the game, he said, I gave him my best fastball. And Schreider's best fastball is probably the, uh, the best fastball in baseball right now, especially from a starting pitcher. Um, so you can just see that Cassianos is just dialed in, uh, couldn't be happier. I mean, a 1.765 OPS, um, and just absolutely incredible. And then, uh, also per Matt Gelb, he saw 29 balls Cassianos in the, uh, the Atlanta series, and he only swung at five of them. Like who, who is this Cassianos that we saw and are seeing now in, uh, 
in these playoffs in this series. Um, he's just not swinging at that, his kryptonite, that low and outside breaking ball the way that he did last year and even more so this year. Um, he walked more than he struck out this series. So, yeah, it, it's just absolutely incredible what Castellanos was able to do. Bryce Harper, can't say enough about what he was able to do in Game 3 uh, after the Arcia comments, obviously the stare downs at second base round in the bags after the multi home run game for him um he also had an ops over 1700 um his for his career against the braves now in the playoffs his ops is at uh, 1.675 that is third all time in major league hit postseason history against a single opponent behind uh barry bonds against the angels uh who's just under 2000 which is just ridiculous and babe ruth against the cardinals so there uh bryce harper third all time against an opponent um yeah like pedro uh called the yankees his daddy uh the braves really have to call bryce harper their daddy after what he's done back-to-back seasons against them um just dialed in they were just a team that you know like they came out against in the Miami series they just totally meant business and they just weren't fucking around like that whole uh series and they just carried that right in against the Braves and like Castiano said after game two uh to lose in that heartbreaking fashion he was like it's the best best thing that could have happened to us given they're kind of mo this year which is responding bouncing back against adversity there's such a mental toughness to this team that they seem to galvanize uh together when things go wrong which is clearly the sign of um just a really good team uh the camaraderie in that locker room the belief that they haven't with uh with themselves and ultimately each other um just really shows through the way that they are they're able to bounce back after such heartbreaking losses so yeah to bounce back after that just miracle Braves victory in game two to to smoke them 10 to 2 in um in game three almost identical to last year in terms of game three at at the bank where the Phillies won nine to one on the back of a, a strong Aaron Nola start um just absolutely awesome uh Trey Turner was also uh, really good. He had a 1.441 OPS. Imagine having an OPS over 1,400, and it's only good for third on the team in the series. Um, had two stolen bases. You know, it's the really showing phenomenal things, uh, Trey Turner, in this playoff so far. And how about Ranger Suarez? Uh, got two victories against... Um, Strider this year or this this series just for him to uh to be able to go in as the strong underdog going against Strider and for the Phillies to win both Strider start starts you know um Charlie Morton being hurt this series was huge to get to face Elder in that game three was just a huge momentum shift uh Snicker definitely left him out too long um but yeah, it's a Ranger Suarez career postseason numbers now in seven appearances. He's three and zero, a one point one six ERA with that one save against the Padres last year to send the Phillies to the World Series. Just ice in his veins. Um, I've I don't the only pitcher I can ever remember seeing uh, in the playoffs that is 
as calm, cool, and collected and just ultimately as confident as far as his Cliff Lee back in the day, what he was able to do in 2009 uh, <clears throat> for that Phillies run. But yeah, Ranger Suarez is quickly becoming just such a cult hero for this team and just look forward to what he's going to do moving forward. So that does it for the Braves' historic season. Ah, how sweet it is for the Phillies to knock them out. I just can't even put it into words. Just And all of the crying, 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 crying. And by the team and Darno's quote about the um, locker room being a sanctuary or the clubhouse being a sanctuary and how it just makes them not want to talk to media. Just You could kind of see at that point if that's what the Braves are focusing on when there's still a series to play. You're down 2-1 to one in a five-game series, and you're complaining about the media instead of taking accountability for how poorly you're playing as a collective team. Um, it just shows that their heads were not in the right place this entire series, and they were looking all over for excuses. And uh, they were, they felt, I think, defeated by the Phillies after that Game 3 uh, they just did not show up much fight at all. Like I said, Austin Riley was the only guy that came to play with his home run off uh, off Suarez earlier in the in Game Four. Um, but yeah, how about that Game Four? I mean, the seventh inning for Thompson to work backwards um, the way that he did with the bullpen, treating it, I guess, like a like a Game Seven almost, similar to what he did in with Game One. Um, after he pulled Suarez early to bring in um, Alvarado in the sixth inning, uh, then Kimbrell in the seventh. Uh, man, yeah, Alvarado came in that seventh, got the two quick outs. Um, things were looking like they were mowing along, and then he walked um, Pilar, he walked Arcia, and then um, gets pulled for Kimbrell, who comes in first time all year. He's, he inherited two base runners. Um, so to bring in Kimbrel in the seventh, and then he walks Darno, loads the bases for Acuna to set up was what was one of the most nerve wracking at bats that I can really ever remember as a baseball fan. I, that was just they were up three one, count two to two, um, and Acuna looked like he got a hold of it at first. I I didn't think it was going out, but I definitely thought it was going to go in the gap for a bases clearing uh, double, put them up four to three. And Johan Rojas, as uh, Brandon Marsh likes to say, peace, love, and Rojas, baby. Like, um, just probably made that look harder than it should have been uh, with the route he took and kind of the the um, double tap as he approached the ball in the gap, but was able to pull it down. Uh, and just what a sigh of relief when he was able to catch that ball. That was just absolutely incredible. Um, and then in the eighth inning... One, two, three. Um, I think Kimbrell, yeah, Kimbrell got the first two outs in the eighth, and then they pulled Kimbrell uh, for Matt Olson, which I thought but he probably should have been left in there given the fact that Olson didn't represent the tying run. Uh, but he pulled him for Soto, who got the grounder, in which set up a really uncomfortable um, play for Bryce Harper to make, which was, again, we were all holding our breaths, hoping that. Nothing happened to that elbow uh, that he had the Tommy John on, but all was well. He said it was just a um, 
a funny bone thing came back out for the ninth. And then that ninth inning, yeah, I did not understand at all uh, br- bringing Soto back in. I guess the thought was, you know, he's a former closer. That is a moment that he shouldn't be uncomfortable in. But watching him all year, he's just so prone to those, um, to walking people and lack of command to where uh, I I knew in in my heart, I knew 100% he was going to walk the leadoff hitter, in which he did. And then gave up that really weird um, base hit that uh, Murphy hit um, to the right side, which I I didn't understand the uh, infield configuration that Thompson had set up there. Off the bat, I thought it was a surefire double play, and Stott wasn't even close to it. Um, So that, of classic Phillies fashion, nothing is ever easy, nothing is ever going to be without racking up the nerves. Uh, That set up a first and third, nobody out in which they were still clawing on to or holding on to the 3 to 1 lead and he pulls Soto and brings in Matt Strom to close it out who was probably the Phillies MVP in early on in the year when they were dealing with all of the uh pitching injuries with Suarez not ready to go so on and so forth um bring in Matt Strom in that spot and very reminiscent of what Suarez did last year when they pulled David Robertson in the Padres game when they went to the World Series. Uh, Matt Strom came into just a ton of trouble with runners on the corners with uh, with no outs and was just able to get right through the lineup nice and easy. Got a really lazy infield pop-up by Pilar that off the bat was nerve-wracking. You, I was really thinking that was going to drop in between shortstop and left field, but um, was able to... Got really soft contact, stayed in the field, uh, easy out. Uh, line drive to Brandon Marsh and left next at bat, setting up um, Vaughn Grissom, who had like 80 at-bats this year or so, um, to bring him in because the Braves went through most of their bench pieces at that point to try to um, make uh, a comeback earlier in the game. They were forced to bring in Grissom. Didn't have an at-bat since I think like mid-September. Um, and... Uh, Matt Strom just wasn't messing around. He was attacking the strike zone and got him on a, a check swing to end the game. Um, and that was that. So what about, or how about Castellanos with his uh, home runs? Turner had a huge home run. Uh, to uh, Castellanos tied it. Turner put him up 2-1. to one, And then Castellanos added that insurance run, uh, which was... The final score of three to one, and also when the bases were loaded in the Acuna at bat in the uh, seventh, Alvarado had the, or no, Kimbrel had the wild pitch uh, that went to the backstop that just so head scratching that the Braves did not uh, Pilar on third did not score on that. Um, I guess the the announcers were saying that based on his line of vision on third base, if you go directly down the third base line past home plate that it's possible that Real Muto was blocking his view to the ball, so he wasn't sure if it bounced right back to Real Muto. He obviously was trepidatious about uh, getting that third out at home with Ronald Acuna at the plate, but um, that could have been a huge momentum shift. Um, at that point, it would have made it 3-2, to two, runners second and third for Acuna, um, and who knows how that ninth inning plays out at that point uh, with that runner on third, no outs, but... Again, just a lot of uh, not intelli- base or intelligent baseball plays by Atlanta, and and that was the series.
Phil's moving on. The Braves are uh, have a nice long off season ahead of them to sit in the corner and think about what they did, you know. <laughs> um, so yeah, just that almost felt like a World Series victory in a way, just to uh to take down the mighty Braves with how cocky and arrogant they were all season long with. Acuna's flapping his wings around the bases at uh at CBP and juking the third base on his home run trot and then uh Brian Snicker when the Phillies uh or when the Braves clinched on the Phillies home field uh said to Acuna you'll get to play in the World Series this time you know since he was injured last time um yeah they just acted like they had it in the bag all season long and that type of um confidence that transcends confidence into just sheer cockiness and arrogance uh doesn't tend to work out so well when you overlook your opponent in that fashion and make excuses so Braves are going home Phils are moving on to face the Arizona Diamondbacks um a series in which I feel good about but I don't feel overly good the the Diamondbacks haven't lost so far this postseason they've been riding a really strong bullpen on the backs of uh a great, a phenomenal one-two punch in Zach Allen and Merrill Kelly. Uh, they got a really good, young, exciting offense. Phenomenal defense with all kinds of speed. Um, hands down, rookie of the year Corbin Carroll, who had 25 home runs, I think, and like 54 stolen bases. Uh, 25-50 season for a rookie. Like, I don't even think. I think he was the first rookie to have 25 and 25, and he had 25 and 54. Um, so yeah, definitely not overlooking them at all. It's not going to be easy. Uh, things start off tomorrow night at the bank. The, <clears throat> thankfully the Phillips have home field advantage. How about that? A home field advantage in the NLCS. And if the Phillips are able to move on as well as the Astros, if they move on, the Phillies will also have home field advantage against the Astros, given that late April series that they were able to take two out of three from, um, so, yeah, some side notes. Uh, Zach Allen, career versus the Phillies in uh, just over 24 innings pitch. He has a 2.22 ERA. The Phillies' eight core batters um, are combined 14 for 60 against Zach Allen. So, definitely not going to be easy. As we know with Strider, the playoffs are a different story than the regular season. Uh, Merrill Kelly... Uh, in just under 20 innings pitch against the Phillies, has a 2.75 ERA. Also has just given up 14 hits against the Phillies. Um, and then after that, the good news about the seven-game series is that the Diamondback starting pitches pitchers uh, really drop off a cliff after those first two. They have the rookie uh, Brandon uh, Pat, if that's how you say it, uh, he has a 5.72 ERA in the regular season. Um, I think he was three and nine. Uh, he started Game Three against the Dodgers. Did pitch a scoreless inning and over four innings pitched, so he does seem to be pitching better than he was in the regular season. And then after that, there it, there's a lot of talk about potentially uh, pitching Gallon and Kelly on just three days rest this series. Um, so we'll see how that goes. They have Ryan Nelson who was 8-8 eight eight with a 5.31 ERA for the Diamondbacks this season, who, who is a potential Game 4 starter. Um, but the they're saving grace the, for the pitching staff this 
postseason has been their relief pitchers. And that's kind of really dating back to mid-August. They they traded for Paul Seawald, Seawald from the, uh, the Mariners, who's become their closer. So since that trade in mid-August, their bullpen has a 2.85 ERA. And in the playoffs, it's a 1.77. Um, not quite as good as the Phillies at 1.45, but not far off. So that uh, look for a potential if they don't push Gallon on early rests in Game Four. Um, I would, I would presume that it's going to be a a a bullpen game. But that's also with the Diamondbacks rookie going in Game Three. Likely they might have to dip into that bullpen early on, as it is. Um, so you got uh, like I said. Um, Corbin Carroll got Lords uh, Lourdes uh, Goriel Jr. Jr. from the Blue Jays, and you have um, Christian Walker, who uh, is really underrated at first base. You have one of the best catchers in the game in Marino. Um, defensively, probably the best this year. He's batting in the five hole for this playoffs. Um, yeah, Nanata. Not an easy lineup to navigate through. When they get on bases, they can cause some havoc with their speed and their base running. Um, so it's not going to be a walk in the park, I don't think. This this series might end up going deep. I mean, uh, just phenomenal game one and two matchups with Wheeler against Gallen and Nola versus Kelly. Um, as a Phillies fan, you're almost not upset with a split uh, in these first two games at the bank. So... We'll see how it goes. Hopefully the Phillies can keep up these vibes, keep it rolling against a team that is eerily similar to last year's Phillies team. Um, last team in the playoffs kind of limped their way in. They lost their last four of the regular season to get overtaken by the Marlins. And um, yeah, thank God that the Marlins were able to overtake them. This this would be a much scarier series in a short series, I think, against Arizona than it is in a seven-game series. But not going to be easy um uh it does the the lineups are being announced uh monday morning 10 a.m the rosters i should say it looks like uh reese hoskins is going to be on the roster for for a bench piece potential pinch hit appearance in which um imagine him coming in to a 1-1 game in the seventh against a left-handed relief pitcher when uh, it's Brandon Marsh's spot in the lineup. You put, you can pull Marsh, bring in Hoskins, uh, and ultimately replace him with Pache in left field. Um, mm, that place is just going to lose their minds when Hoskins ultimately has his first at bat of the the season for the Phillies. So it looks like Hoskins will be making his return in the NLCS uh, to be determined on that. But he has been batting down in clear water against live. Uh, live pitching um so that'll be announced look for that monday morning um yeah i'll leave it at that phillies take down the braves on the face the arizona diamondbacks games one and two are monday night at eight o'clock and tuesday night at eight o'clock before day off on wednesday to travel to arizona for three straight thursday friday saturday Day off Sunday for, if needed, game six and seven back at the bank next Monday and Tuesday night. So I will be back soon uh, later this week to recap the first couple games of the series and how they go. Um, so until then, thank you all, as always, for listening. And I will talk to you all soon. And go Phillies. Keep it going.